Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers. Welcome to my garden and another saunter. It's a mild day, it's pleasant and birds are singing, it's a happy day. So we are in Luke chapter 13 today. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we ask you to not just be a shadowy figure in a book written many, 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 many years ago, but be living and real and alive in our lives, changing us, influencing us, empowering us today. Amen. Good morning, Pete. Good to see you. So we're in Luke chapter 13, and this is a really interesting little kind of opening shot from Jesus. He's talking about um, some things that were in recent history and obviously had made the news in whatever format the news was conveyed in those days. And it says there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? Good morning, Alison. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, man, Jesus is saying you will likewise perish. And I was thinking, these guys, this was a an untimely end to their lives. And it was obviously something that got talked about a lot. And it was kind of, oh, did you hear about the tower when it fell? And all those poor 18 people, blah, blah, blah. And I knew so-and-so. And it was like their mini Twin Towers disaster, I suppose, at the time. Um, But Jesus is kind of saying, listen, these guys were not receiving a direct judgment from God in these um, dreadful catastrophes that befell them. But actually he's saying, but you guys I'm talking to now need to repent. You need to change your heart and change your mind in relation to God. You need to overhaul everything needs to change and turn around your lives otherwise you too will perish and or you too will likewise perish and I was thinking well is Jesus saying unless you repent you're going to have an untimely end as well in which case he's kind of connecting not repenting with a tragedy or a untimely death he may I don't know I'm not 
I don't feel qualified to, to comment, but I kind of feel like maybe he's referring to the fall of Jerusalem, which is which he's already predicted and he's predicted is going to happen and there's going to be no stone laid on top of each other on the temple. It's all going to come crashing down. This whole order that they've trusted in and been, their lives have been centred around for literally centuries is coming to a close. This era, this epoch of history is coming to a close and there's a need to repent now otherwise you know these things are well these things are going to happen anyway but i guess you need to be ready when they do is he saying something like that or is he saying as most people would suggest that this is a reference to everybody is going to die at some point each of us we know that one thing from the moment we're born we know that's going to happen is we're all going to die that's one thing that unites us we all have in common is that we live and then one day our life comes to an end and it's tragic when it seems to come to an end early um and we uh people make up all kinds of like little kind of sayings to make themselves feel better oh god takes the best ones first and all that that is that is not true it's just a, a kind of thing people say to make themselves feel a little bit better when someone dies at a young age the the tragedy is that often people's lives are taken away from them right at the most at the peak of their lives they maybe crash their motorbike or something awful happens or uh, a disease or something comes but the reality is that every single one of us will perish one day. We will perish likewise, whether in a tragedy or just the kind of when we're old and our lives have just packed up. And then comes that point where we are face to face with God himself. And that's the kind of critical point. So Jesus is saying, right, you need to repent. And we need, we, the, I think the point we can take away from it is whatever stage of life we're at, we need to make sure our hearts are right towards God, that we're facing towards him. Our lives are orientated around him rather than just living for pleasure, living for the moment, living for ourselves. And kind of suddenly one day, boom, like the guy in the story yesterday, the man, the rich man who built these barns and everything, suddenly, bam, there he is face to face with God. And it's too late to kind of negotiate then because the decisions he's made in his life have set him up for his eternal destiny one way or the other. And so, anyway, just to say, I'm not sure <laughs> which, which one Jesus is referring to. But nonetheless, there's a point there for us, isn't there? Right, Numbers, verse 6. He says, and he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for all for these three years now, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Now again, Commentators have had field days over this one. Um, the fig tree is often used as a metaphor for the nation of Israel. And this is quite a compelling sort of way of looking at this little parable. Jesus is, say, Jesus is saying there's this guy and he has a tree. It's supposed to be bearing fruit. He keeps coming to pick fruit from it 
for three years in a row and there's nothing. He's annoyed. I'm going to have a sip of coffee. He's annoyed. He's he's kind of been excited about this fig tree and it's just a disappointment. So he says to the gardener, chop it down. Gardener now takes on the role of an intercessor. You may have heard that word around. It's somebody who goes to God on somebody else's behalf and puts in a plea, negotiates like Abraham negotiates and Moses negotiates before God and they're kind of having this kind of conversation backwards and forwards with God like don't destroy these people, have mercy on them, please God forgive them and so on and so on. And Jesus is telling this story, only he's made it into a tree, not a group of people. And and he imagines this gardener negotiating with the owner and saying, oh, go on, just spare it. Let me let me just tend it. Let me take care of it just one more year and we'll see if we can get some fruit out of it. I'm going to give it some special treatment. I'm going to chuck some lovely rich farmyard manure on it and I'm going to dig it in, get all the weeds out. And I'm going to titivate that tree and take good care of it and cosset it until it bears fruit. Give me one more year. And I think Jesus is prophesying to anyone who wants to hear him that God has shown incredible kindness to the nation of Israel. He's cosseted it. He's given it chance after chance, time and time again. And he's saying, let me dig round it. Let me send some more prophets. Let me take care of it. And it's like almost like God himself has been having this conversation with himself maybe or with the council of heaven I don't know what it looks like over the nation of Israel and and in Jesus that you know there's this this sense in which come on by the time of Jesus they're they're here and now this is this is like the best prophet who's ever ever walked the earth this is not just any old prophet this is God himself in human form walking the earth manifesting demonstrating the heart the love the nature of God day after day after day and he's saying this is my best this is the best offer I can possibly make this is digging the tree around this is giving it some extra special manure this is giving it lovely special treatment and surely now it's going to bear fruit but Jesus had already prophesied hadn't he that the whole thing is going to come crashing down and of course we have the horrible real life history of what happened in 70 AD not that this isn't real life but this is Jesus is speaking prophetically but then it was fulfilled 70 AD the temple was destroyed Jerusalem was ransacked by the Romans it was just awful awful massacre and it just went on and on but everything of the old order was kind of done away with now it doesn't mean that at that point God abandoned Israel he certainly did not Every single promise God has made is still good, is still up there for grabs. But this time the focus is not on the temple or the city of Jerusalem as such. It's on the person of Jesus. And we're going to, so I don't know. There's a lot we could say about this. And I think it's really important that we don't dismiss Israel and write her off as a nation. I still believe we're going to see a mass turning to God from the nation of Israel but it's not going to be in the old way it was it's not going to be in the centered around the temple it's going to be centered around the Messiah Jesus himself
But anyway, <clears throat> so this is a really interesting little um, kind of picture for us when we're thinking of intercession and we can pray and we can go before God and say, God, <clears throat> can we negotiate? Can I have some extra time on this person? Can please God have mercy on this person who seems to be just kind of utterly rebellious against you can I negotiate can I lay myself down in front of you and just say God have mercy that is intercession right verse 10 it says now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the sabbath and behold there was a woman who see he's on the sabbath again he's going to get in trouble isn't he we know it it's the day it's the day of rest behold there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years she was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on these days and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. <laughs> Oh my, it just seems so petty, doesn't it, as we look at it now with our 21st century eyes on and we just see this kind of petty spirit that was in this guy. And yet it so much kind of characterises what we might call the religious spirit that wants the procedures and rituals and everything to be upheld. But the actual need that the person's come with is very, very secondary. And for Jesus, the need of that woman to be set free is primary. It's the reason he's came is to set the oppressed free. He's never kept that a secret. He said it right in, in chapter four when he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. Good morning, Pete. He he made it really clear that this is his mission to set the oppressed free, to set captives free. And, and this is explicit. The language of Luke is explicit. He says, this woman had a disabling spirit for 18 years. My goodness me, this is a demonic oppression that is not just affected her in her spirit, in her soul, in her inner being, but it's had an outward expression in her body. And it's like she's knotted up inside and she's become knotted up on the outside. And oh my, and she could not straighten herself. Now we know there's a medical condition that creates this. I saw a lady when I was in Poland and she would walk by outside our apartment um, every day at 6.30 on the dot. She would come past and she was bent double and she had her elbows down on this shopping trolley and her back was at a right angle and she clearly couldn't straighten herself up. She was picking things up off the road. She was a beggar and um, it's desperate. Now I... I I wish I was Jesus at that point and I could just go down and do that thing. Do you know what? I I believe that the same spirit is in me, but I just haven't got that. I didn't have that confidence or that courage, whatever it is, to go down and and straighten her out. And But Jesus saw her. When Jesus saw her, he called over her and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. So we have this awful petty reaction from the synagogue ruler. 
um, because Jesus once again has violated the code. He's done it all wrong. He's not behaved himself. Good morning, Pat and Mike. <clears throat> Let's have more people full of the Spirit of God who are not behaving themselves according to religious customs, but are behaving themselves according to the heart and the passion and the nature of God. And then Jesus answered, You hypocrites, you actors, you play actors, you people who are assuming a kind of role, an air of kind of religiosity and spirituality but it's shallow it's, it's no more real than the character it, <laughs> we go to see a movie or maybe if you're into soap operas you watch the soap and you can start to assume that the person who's playing the role of the particular character that's what they're like no they're not they're an actor they're getting paid this is their skill this is what they do and Jesus is saying you guys are no more the real deal than Tom Cruise is actually Top Gun do you know what I mean it's you're not you I mean I don't know maybe Tom Cruise can fly a fighter jet I've no idea um but He's certainly not a top gun, is he? He's an actor. And then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? So there is a Sabbath that says you're not allowed to work, right? But you actually take care of your animals on the Sabbath, which is work. <laughs> but it's actually allowed. It's work that's allowed in the law. They were supposed to show... Um, humanity to their animals they were supposed to take care of their animals on the sabbath that was part of the law um, but he's saying Jesus is saying come on guys just <laughs> think it through if it's okay to take care of an ox or a donkey on the sabbath surely it's okay to heal a woman who's been bound by the devil for 18 years and I think what's interesting for me is that Luke doesn't challenge these assumptions that Jesus is making. Luke doesn't say, but of course, what Jesus was really saying is that this person had ankylosing spondylitis or something like that. He's he's just, he lets it ride. He lets Jesus cast the demon out. And I'm sure he's thinking, oh, <laughs> I would have prescribed X, Y, and Z for that. And I would have maybe put her on some, I don't know, cortisone. I don't know. I don't take me as a doctor because I am so not. Um... Uh, he might have prescribed a certain type of treatment for this woman, but he's looking on in amazement and seeing Jesus like, God, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a demonic spirit that's got her tied up spiritually and physically. So let's get her free. Anyway, so in verse six, 16, he says, And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, which implies that she was a woman of faith. She had faith. Jesus could have just called her a Jew or just a woman couldn't he he didn't have to specify she was a daughter of Abraham but a daughter of Abraham Abraham is the father of those who believe and so it suggests and people have made perhaps more of a big deal of this than they ought to but it suggests that a believing person can be bound by demonic oppression and I would go along with that and I would say yeah I, I think I've seen that where people are They've still got some agreement with some demonic thing that's holding them down or whatever, holding them back, and they just need to have their hearts um, enlightened, come to realise actually, no, this is something they've there's a there's something 
still hanging on in there that isn't from God and we just need to get it cleared up. Just like there are those of us with habits that we have when we come to Jesus, some of these habits linger on and we need to nail those habits, get them cleared out because they're not godly, they hold us back, they bind us up. And whether it's a demonic personality behind it or not, it still needs to go. And I think let's not get so lost in technicalities that we miss the point. This woman was bound. She was a believer. Jesus set her free. I'm going to go with that. <clears throat> and as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and the people, all the people rejoice at the glorious things that were done by him, which is the right response, isn't it? When God does something glorious, we should be excited about it and celebrate it rather than try and find how it could be wrong. Do you know what? The internet pains me. And I see people criticising this church, that church, the other church on the internet. And this is why this movement is bad. And this is why these are heretics and stuff. And I'm kind of thinking, shut up, will you? Let them get on with the job. Let them preach the gospel. Let them do it their way as long as, you know what I mean? And let's cheer them on. If they're seeing people coming to Jesus, let's cheer them on. As long as they're not exploiting and controlling and that kind of thing. That, oh man, they're going to have a different style than you, maybe. So, um, mustard seed. Verse 18. And he said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Now, once again, I hear people get very complicated about this. They say, well, the, must, this is, the birds of the air represent the evil one and all the rest of it. The tree has got so big and so on that the birds of the air have nested in it. It's become a bad thing. The kingdom of heaven, you know, it's got infiltrated by dodgy stuff. The leaven, oh, leaven's always bad in the scripture. Leaven just means, as far as I can see, when Jesus uses the word leaven, he's talking about influence. And it's like yeast. It's the influence that changes a, a lump of dough into a lump of lovely, fluffy, light bread. Now, we can have flat bread. We can have unleavened bread, fine. And that had its place in the festivals. But to me, this is just a, a clear as lovely picture of how the kingdom of heaven is working away influencing people and changing people's hearts and we move around and we see people and we don't know to what extent they've been influenced by the kingdom of heaven and that's our opportunity isn't it to then begin a conversation have a conversation and begin to see where they're at in relation to Jesus are they still on the number one where they're kind of mm, I don't know yeah or are they on a number seven or eight? Maybe we could help them move towards Jesus a little bit more and, and kind of influence that a bit more. Anyway, verse 22. He went on his way through, the, through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door, for I t for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, 
I do not know where you came from. And then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and we taught, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and west and from the north and the south to recline at the table and the kingdom of God. And behold, some who are last will be first and some who are first will be last. Now, Jesus, this is a good question. Is there only going to be a few people who are saved? And is the majority, you know, are the majority going to be lost? And then Jesus doesn't really answer that. He says, actually, there's going to be a lot of surprises for you on that day. And the kingdom of um, heaven, in the kingdom of God, when it when it's fully calm and everything is kind of wrapped up and done done and dusted, there are going to be people come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Good morning, Dean. Literally from the globe, they all around the globe. People are going to be there from every tribe, every nation, every language, every ethnicity. I just love that picture. And that is going to that was obviously provocative and challenging to the Jewish people who he was talking to. But he's saying, listen, there's going to be loads and loads of people there. There's going to be people you would not expect to see there. But he does say, verse 24, strive to enter through the narrow door. Now, that picture was one that we always were taught in Sunday school. Oh, it's a narrow way that leads to life and it's a broad way that leads to destruction. And, you know, it's kind of only a few people find it. What Jesus is saying, yeah, there is a narrow funnel. This is me. I'm the door. You've all got to come through me. And the word there for strive is the same word. It's agon... Oh, I can probably get pronounce it wrong. Agonizomai in Greek. And it, it's the same kind of sense of which <clears throat> someone who was an athlete in the Olympic Games or in the Games would be competing. And they'd be striving. They'd be literally agonizing to get through to finish first and Jesus is saying have that same zeal have that same energy and passion driving you forward pushing you forward to get in through that narrow gate which is me because there's going to come a time when the master of the house shuts the door and there's no good it's going to be no good then to say oh well do you know what my auntie was a Christian or my great granny was a Christian or blah 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 or Oh, I live next door to a believer. You know, oh, yeah. No, it actually needs to be each one of us popping through that narrow gate, finding Jesus, getting through the gate. He's the doorway. He's the... Jesus said, I'm the door. He made it clear. He said, like, this is the narrow door and it's me. I'm the narrow door. <clears throat> so he says... Um, there's going to come a time when it's just too late because the door is shut. And we have the picture of Noah's Ark, don't we, where God shut the door. And it was a real tough day for everyone who was on the outside. Verse 31 then, at that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here because Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, <laughs> I love this, Jesus, not phased at all, Herod, kind of ultimate bad guy in the neighborhood he's the ruler he has the power of life and death literally um 
interesting. We saw how barbaric Pilate was, didn't we, in the first little kind of verse. Herod was no better. And so it says, um, these guys came and wanted to warn Jesus, Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. <laughs> He's saying, listen, I'm going to die. I, it's, it's customary for prophets to die in Jerusalem. That's where I'm going to die. Get over it, Herod. And plus, I'm going to carry on doing what I've got to do. And Herod, you're a fox anyway. You're a sly, crafty, um, conniving man. And I don't have any time to bother with your threats this is what he's saying but then he starts to lament over Jerusalem which is really beautiful and tragic and sad as well bearing in mind what we were just talking about about the fig tree he says oh Jerusalem Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stones who are sorry and stones those who are sent to it how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And <sighs> Jesus is a Jew. He's grown up among Jewish people. He's so schooled in the Jewish law, in the the Torah, he knows it, he is it, he embodies it, he embodies the heart of God and now he's just once again in the forefront of his mind is the the um, coming catastrophe that's going to actually hit Jerusalem a few years after his death and resurrection and so he's, he's just, he knows that the, the old way of things is done now that Jerusalem as it was is kind of its days have been kind of done and and he's saying do you know what if you could know my heart for you I literally weep over you I mourn over you I long and I that you would be saved that you would come to me he says here I am I'm a shepherd I want to shepherd you I want to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, I want to gather you to myself. And you were not willing. And you sense that deep, 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 deep pain of God who had shown such incredible mercy throughout history to the Jewish people and to Jerusalem and so on. But he then he's Jesus is saying, but you were not willing. And then he says, you will see me again when I come. And you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He came in that way, didn't he, on the Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday. But literally, even before that week was out, they'd crucified him. Listen, you guys, this is so dense. There's so much. I could talk all day and I, I am not the expert. I'm just somebody who's digging away in the scripture, praying for God to shed light on it to me and to you. I pray that he continues to do that today as you reflect on it and do read other stuff, you know, and find out what you can. And But above all, let us make sure our hearts are open and ready for Jesus. Let's not let this life slip us by and find that, wow, I've missed this chance. 
I've missed this chance to receive Jesus. Have an amazing day. God bless you. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him but more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.